I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This year has rattled our confidence as a nation. I hardly need to catalog how and why. Yet this week has managed to turn up the dial on alarm and anxiety. More protests in Louisville after the failure to bring indictments in the killing of Breonna Taylor. A presidential debate that stripped the varnish off any pretense to civility or decorum. A president ruthlessly attacking his opponent wherever he could, both personally and professionally, callously invoking the addiction of one son while ignoring the death of another. A debate in which the president called on an alt-right group to stand by. Then finally, at the end of the week, the revelation that the president and many around him have tested positive for COVID-19 and his detractors struggling to dismiss their schadenfreude and many failing too many going onto social media gleeful that he is ill, wishing him ill, more interested in blaming than in healing. I could keep going, but let's just say, as a nation, we're shaken. Shaken by the level of vitriol in our country and in our public discourse. Shaken by the ease with which we now attack one another the ease with which we seem to have accepted over 200,000 dead from COVID as the price of reopening the economy. The ease with which we accept that people now brandish guns at courthouses and voting places and protests. We are awash in violence. We are awash in vengeance. We seem bereft of common courtesy, compassion, and kindness. There must be another way to deal with threats than by responding with worse threats, another way to end violence than with more violence. For as Gandhi reminds us, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And then we get to today's parable, Jesus's third response to religious leaders challenge to his authority in the last week of his life. This time, Jesus tells a parable that really is an allegory. He asks them to imagine a landowner who plants a vineyard, protects it, leases it to tenants, and then leaves the country. The tenants refuse to pay what they owe. Not only that, they beat and kill the servants who come to collect the debt. The landowner sends more servants with the same results. Finally, the landowner sends his son, believing that they must respect him. Instead, the tenants become more irrational, more greedy, believing they can steal the son's inheritance by killing him. Jesus then asks the religious leaders what do you think the landowner will do to those tenants when he arrives? 
they respond as would anyone, as might we. He will put those wretches to a miserable death, they say, and lease the vineyards to good tenants. This might make us uncomfortable, but we get the logic. And if you read this allegorically, Israel is the vineyard. The first servants sent are the prophets who were rejected over and over. Then God sends his only son who will be killed by the religious authorities. And thus God is justified in punishing them and putting better tenants in place. Now, this way of understanding the parable has led to anti-Semitic violence and scapegoating throughout the centuries as Christians blamed Jews for Jesus' death and assumed that God punished them by replacing them with Christians. Even if we don't read it so literally that it ends in blaming the Jews, we still end up with a violent landowner, a violent God. This confirms our own tendencies towards judgment and violence, looking for whom to blame, seeking vengeance, or at least punishment rather than pursuing mercy. We seem hardwired to respond to offense with punishment, to violence with violence. But take another look at this parable. Jesus asked the religious leaders what the landowner will do. The assumption that the landowner will respond with violence and punishment is the religious leader's assumption. It might even be the assumption of the gospel writer. And it might very well be ours. Violence, after all, demands a violent response. But that's our way, not God's. You see, God's way is not to kill and destroy. God might lament our violence and our lack of justice, our turning away from God and all God offers, as we heard today in Isaiah. God expects justice and righteousness and laments especially the failure of leaders to establish such communities. But God's response to all of that, to our violence, is the cross is sending his son. He doesn't return violence with violence, but instead absorbs it. God absorbs our violence on the cross and responds with life, resurrection, triumph over death. Does that sound naive? Does it sound unrealistic? impossible, a waste of time, maybe. But that's God's way. In all things, Jesus offers peace. My peace I leave with you, my own peace I give to you. And he bids us to peace too. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be children of God. And even after we've done our violent worst, he promises to be with us, even to the end of the ages, bidding us not to wreak vengeance for his death, but instead urging us to offer good news to all. 
this is tough for us. We humans seem normally hardwired for fight or flight, to punch back when punched. And in this fraught time, it has become even easier to be angry and hateful and callous, to choose sides and build walls. But though we are called to work for justice, we are not called to be hateful. That's not who we're called to be. It's not God's way, which is why we have to immerse ourselves in scripture and prayer and in a community where we are seeking to grow in love and discipleship so that we might be formed into instruments of peace rather than agents of war. We are so immersed in this world with all of its animus and anxiety that I wonder if we are willing to be shaped and formed by the Prince of Peace. When we stumble over the cornerstone, Jesus, who shows us the way of humility and compassion, when we have erred and gone astray down the spiral of hatred, do we take seriously the need to repent, to turn again to him and his path? Do we take seriously the need to be different than the world, different in the world, in the way that we face evil and violence? In a judgmental world, it's easy to be judgmental. In a violent world, it's easy to be violent in our thoughts, our words, our actions. But we follow the Prince of Peace, the one who bids us turn swords into plowshares, spears into pruning forks, to turn the other cheek. We follow the one who absorbed our violence in his death, death on a cross, repaying violence with life and resurrection. This is a shock, even ridiculous, to we who are hardwired for tit-for-tat, judgment and punishment for violence. But this is the God that we have, a God offering mercy and grace, inviting us into mercy and grace. This is not natural to us, but if we, like St. Paul, believe that Christ Jesus has made us his own, then we can grow to be merciful. And what better way than praying this prayer of St. Francis? whose feast day is today. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.